Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. This episode is brought to you by my course, Rest Assured. If you've been struggling with falling asleep, or staying asleep, or just not waking up feeling well-rested, you've come to the right place. Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Insomnia, or CBTI, is the gold standard intervention in the management of insomnia. Rest Assured is a digital course that walks you through CBTI, step-by-step, with everything you need to succeed. Each of the six weekly modules guides you through some important background information for the different techniques, explores the evidence-based techniques in detail, provides multiple examples of exercises so you can find the one that works for you, and reviews the work you've completed since the last module. And rest assured, it's just not another DIY left to your own devices, but rather, you get direct access to me, a board-certified sleep physician in twice-monthly office hours, where you can ask me face-to-face any questions you may have about the course material. So check out www.wellrestedmd.com slash RA to learn more. That's wellrestedmd.com slash RA. Or just head to the homepage and click on courses to learn more. Enjoy the episode. Hey there, friends and neighbors. You're listening to the Well Rested Podcast, episode number 51, 10 p.m. Trip Up. I'm your host, Dr. Joshua Lennon. It's 9.59 when you look at the clock and realize you want it to be in bed and asleep when the clock strikes 10 p.m. with no time to lose. Is now the time to turn off the TV, get your daily exercise in, cut the caffeine, and avoid alcohol? In this week's episode, I'll explore why trying to cram in all the good sleep-inducing hacks at the last minute is neither an easy nor productive way to get that good snooze. Sleep habits for a good night's rest don't start at your intended bedtime, but as soon as you wake up in the mornings. So if you've decided on a bedtime of 10 p.m. and you don't really start getting ready for bed until 9.59 p.m., you're going to get tripped up. And of course, I'm not talking about brushing your teeth and getting in your PJs hours before you want to be asleep, but rather the habits and routines that, when instituted regularly, make falling asleep as fast and easy as possible once your head hits the pillow. This theme comes up repeatedly, but it can't be overemphasized. How well you wake is the best predictor of how well you'll sleep. And how well you sleep has a very strong influence on how well you wake. So it becomes easy to get stuck in a snowballing cycle of rough days and worse nights. Optimal sleep health really is well depicted by the yin-yang symbol. The brighter and whiter your wakeful days, the deeper and darker and more restful your sleepful nights will be. Unfortunately, too many of us find ourselves trapped in this gray blend of meh, all day and all night, poorly resting and poorly rested. So what it takes to not only fall asleep fast and easy, but to achieve high-quality restorative sleep, what it takes cannot and will not be achieved at the last minute, no matter the unsubstantiated claims of drugs, supplements, devices, and other snake oil salesmen. The path to consistent, predictable, great nights of sleep is simple. But simple is not always easy. And simple is not always quick especially not when it comes to building good habits, automated routines that are almost never your default programming, as we explored in episode 18. And that's also not to say that you need to slave away for days, weeks, months, or years without reaping a drop of a reward for your efforts till some far-off day in the future. Not in the slightest. In fact, the double whammy bonus of these sleep habits is that they also highly benefit your waking life. And there is benefit for both days and nights that occurs almost immediately for them. And that's not to say that doing one good sleep habit once is somehow going to turn your whole life around. I mean, get real. But that's not the same thing as an absence of an immediately felt benefit. Take exercise, for instance. 
after a good single workout, you may feel sweaty and gross, beat up, exhausted, winded, and out of shape. But the neurochemistry of exercise, the release of endorphins and related neurotransmitters will literally give you a natural high and help you feel better, better mood, as well as sleep better the very same night. So making efforts to improve these good sleep habits not only helps to improve and darken the black yin of sleep, but also improve and brighten the white yang of wake. Let's briefly tackle a few of the most common good sleep habits that will help keep you from experiencing that 10 p.m. trip up. Timing, light, exercise, nutrition, nature, and relaxation. First up, timing. For timing, specifically as it relates to good sleep habits, the emphasis is not, in fact, on that 10 p.m. bedtime, but rather the timing of your wake-up. You cannot 100% control what time you actually fall asleep. Clearly, there are things you can do to influence that and set yourself up for success or failure in regards to your desired timing. But there's not a button to push or switch you can flip that will force you to fall asleep at a particular time. On the other hand, you can do such a thing for the wake-up time. They are called alarms. And while Dr. Matt Walker makes a good point in his excellent book, Why We Sleep, about the physiological trauma of not only alarms, but especially hitting the snooze button repeatedly, that is far from an insurmountable problem. Your wake-up time is your anchor. It is your body's clock's home base, the reset for your circadian clock. When you wake, when you move, when you start to expose your retina to light, when you start to digest, you can make all that predictable and reliable thanks to an alarm to ensure you never sleep past a particular time, no matter what that time is. And to address Dr. Walker's concerns, there are now several gentle and smart alarms that should sway any alarm hesitation. Some of these come in the form of gentle rising sounds, such as birds chirping, with a gradually increasing volume, nothing harsh, nothing sudden, to ease you, auditory-wise, into wakefulness without the neck-snapping scream of the alarms of yore. Other gentle alarms use light, mimicking the gradual shift of sunrise, from dark to red to orange to eventually bright yellow, with the brighter light in the room and shining through your eyelids to wake you, with or without any accompanying sounds. The smart alarms use some form of sleep tracking to trigger the wake-up call, only when you are now outside of REM sleep. For these alarms, you set a window of time, such as no later than 6 a.m., but no earlier than 5.40 a.m. Then, once you have exited REM sleep within that window, or at the latter end of the window if you remained in non-REM sleep the entire time, the alarm is triggered. As you may recall from episode 39, the sleep trackers are getting better and better at determining whether you are awake or asleep, but not all that great at determining if you are in light or deep or REM sleep, so keep that in mind. But no matter the method used, a consistent wake-up time sets and solidifies your internal clock, your body's rhythm for the day and night, your circadian rhythm. This affects everything from your alertness levels to exercise capacity to digestion and elimination. And regular, non-variable wake-up times that stay consistent across the week and weekends is strongly associated with mental health and wellness. But the most important cue your consistent wake-up time delivers is the next topic in pre-10pm sleep habits. Light. You may be sick of hearing about light, but its importance in regulating wake and sleep cannot be overstated. Light at the wrong times, namely too late at night or too early in the morning, can be highly problematic, as discussed extensively before, especially in episodes 4 and 12. In episode 23, we discussed how the closer the light exposure to your sleep midpoint, 
the stronger the effect. Your sleep midpoint is more precisely your circadian night midpoint, measured by the time at which your core body temperature reaches its lowest point, which is not the same thing as halfway between when you fell asleep and when you wake up. But without any external mechanism to wake you up like an alarm, this tends to fall about three to four hours before you would naturally wake up. So if you're spending seven or eight hours in bed at night, it's about halfway through. But that means if your intended time in bed is 10 p.m. to 6 a.m., and you're scrolling Instagram just one last time in bed before you fall asleep, or you unfortunately have a TV in the bedroom and intend to go to sleep after that last show is over, that light exposure is far more problematic than any super bright fluorescent lights you stared at an hour earlier. It also means that if you wake up for the day and tiptoe around in the dark or don't open the shades or curtains till hours later, that mid-morning or late-morning sun exposure is not nearly as helpful at improving your sleep as light exposure shortly after waking will be. Furthermore, as reviewed in episode 5, morning light exposure, typically 20 minutes duration of quite bright light within the first hour of waking, is excellent not just for insomnia, but for energy and mood too. Morning light not only helps with sleep that night, but reduces daytime sleepiness, reduces depression, reduces chronic pain, and improves bipolar disorder. Following light, the next great pre-10pm habit to eliminate that bedtime trip-up is exercise. Exercise in any shape or form is good, though data is stronger for some more than others. Timing of exercise definitely matters too, but not as much as whether or not you exercise, so don't get too hung up on that. We talked about this extensively in episode 6 and again in episode 8. Movement is what counts. And if you really enjoy it while you do it, even better. So whether it's rock climbing, yoga, boxing, dodgeball, resistance training, swimming, whatever. Whether you do it by yourself, with friends, or anonymously on your peloton, do whatever works for you. The data really is strongest for cardiopulmonary exercise, what gets your heart rate up and stay up. That seems to have the most oomph. But weightlifting and even Tai Chi have evidence documenting their benefits for sleep. As far as timing, there are a couple possible impacts. The first is that movement and exercise in particular are zeitgebers. They do push or pull your circadian clock, though slightly. But early morning and mid-morning exercise seem to function better to reinforce and sustain circadian rhythms, whereas early afternoon and evening exercise have a delaying effect on circadian rhythm. The other impact is temperature which is really an issue only for late-day exercise, as in trying to hit the gym after dinner before bed. Because of the rise in core body temperature from exercise, it can take longer for your core body temperature to cool to its sleep levels, which in theory can delay the timing and impair the quality of sleep. Exercise, especially any kind that gets your heart rate up to moderate or vigorous levels, has enormous payoffs. It reduces mortality, including cardiovascular disease and cancer the two biggest causes of death in the U.S. for adults. Exercise improves mood and depression and daytime fatigue levels. Next to sleep, it is the second of the three main pillars for health. The third main pillar for health is nutrition, our next topic of pre-10pm sleep habits to help you avoid that last-minute trip-up. In this category, we can also lump in the other ingestibles, such as caffeine, nicotine, and alcohol. The pros and cons of caffeine were reviewed in detail in episode 14. Nicotine, another stimulant, was also discussed in episode 14 regarding its impact on sleep health. And alcohol was discussed in episode 15. 
Another common way meals in particular can impact sleep is in the proportions and timing of meals. Digestion is under circadian influence, so there are times of day when we are more efficient at digesting and times when we are less so. And too often, we have a habit of unevenly distributing calories and volume across the meals, typically with a minimal to absent breakfast, a modest lunch, and a behemoth of a dinner. From pancreatic digestive enzymes to the gallbladder function to insulin regulation, getting 90% of your daily calories all at once doesn't lend itself well to health and well-being. And since we are not designed that way, often that disproportionate dinner volume doesn't mean that digestion capacity will match your meal volume. So dinner food may sit longer, transit slower, and make you feel bloated longer. With more volume residing in the stomach longer, that puts a little extra pressure on your lungs by competing for space when the diaphragm is pushed up by a full stomach, making breathing less comfortable. It also means you're more likely to suffer reflux, all that content inside the stomach stretching and putting pressure on your gastroesophageal sphincter, no longer fighting gravity once you lay down. That's a recipe for heartburn and GERD. And that kind of acid reflux not only makes your body too uncomfortable to fall asleep as desired, wake you up across the night from the heartburn, but unaddressed heartburn increases the risk for cancer of the esophagus. A balanced diet, balance in timing, volume, calories, macro and micronutrients, mostly plants, some fish, and little to no processed foods such as refined sugars and most other meats, not only will that extend your lifespan, reduce your risk of cardiovascular disease, reduce your risk of metabolic disease like diabetes, reduce your risk of cancer, improve your mood and reduce your risk for depression, and reduce your risk of dementia, will also benefit from improved sleep along the way. The next good sleep habit to embrace before your 10 p.m. deadline is exposure to nature, or green space, or interacting with nature. This may be a little contrived, but there is a growing body of research on the benefits of connecting with our natural world, whether that's a small park in an urban setting, heading deep into the woods, or even interacting with non-human animals. Exposure to green space has been shown to improve the symptoms of schizophrenia, it improves mood in those suffering from depression. It improves the quality of our thinking. And those suffering from nature deficit disorder experience worse sleep quality, which can be improved by reestablishing a connection with the natural world. There is an excellent opportunity to tie this in with the other sleep habits to stop that 10 p.m. trip up. After waking up at that consistent time, natural sunlight may be the best light exposure to get. That can also be achieved with outdoor morning exercise whether a walk, jog, swim, yoga, or tai chi in the park. And nutrition provides another opportunity to connect with nature by selecting mostly whole food, sustainable plant-based sources for your dietary needs. And doing that all yourself may tie in to our final habit on the list, gardening as one option to help relax at the end of the day. We've talked before several times about various ways to institute, habituate some relaxation practices, rather than waiting till you've reached peak stress levels before trying to seek a little bit of woosaw. In addition to gardening, other ways to combine various good sleep habits may be with your movement of choice, such as tai chi, yoga, or other stretching. In episode 36, we talked about progressive muscle relaxation. In episodes 9, 10, 24, 29, 45, and 49, we talked about the role of mindfulness exercises such as compassion for relaxation, not just as a temporary state, but an enduring trait. In episodes 31 and 33, we talked about the end-of-the-day unwinding rituals, from progressive muscle relaxation to purse-lip breathing to writing practices like gratitude, explored more in episode 17, 
and a brain dump, also explored in episode 47 and a bit in episode 44. Some relaxation strategies can be employed in the spur of the moment to calm us down rapidly, such as strategies to exaggerate the parasympathetic system, but others, done habitually, can bring a general sense of satisfaction, lower stress, and actually decreasing the need for spur-of-the-moment relaxation because you are habitually more relaxed than habitually stressed. So to summarize, scrambling to integrate a bit of sleep hygiene at the last minute will leave you tripped up at 10pm. There are no magical instantaneous solutions that out of nowhere manifest a great night of sleep. Even the best-funded efforts, prescription-grade sleeping drugs, Missed the mark by margins so wide it takes quite a stretch of the imagination to consider them worthwhile, as we explored in episode 25. So cut yourself some slack. You don't want to be in a situation like this. Nobody yearns for a need for last-minute solutions. And you're not alone. Millions struggle in the exact same way. And in no way are you expected to just have it all figured out, a perfect master plan from scratch to follow exactly. But it does require some upfront investment in intention and forethought. So use that intention to be reasonable. It is not reasonable to expect to turn your life around or make some drastic changes overnight in how you spend your 24 hours. But rather, what is a reasonable adjustment you can make? An adjustment with a high likelihood of success, the least revolutionary, that won't be too difficult to keep up. Use that win to build on. Start somewhere and add to your success. As habits build and stack, become more automatic, there is less and less intention required. Your sleep continues to improve on autopilot, daytime health and wellness improves, and life improves. And since you have to start somewhere, I'd recommend just starting with a consistent wake-up time, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. To get a sense of what these habits may actually look like, or how they may be implemented in one's day, Check out wellrestedmd.com slash day to get a free cheat sheet of a day in the life of the well-rested with examples and timing of how to incorporate some of these specific best practices to achieve reliable great nights of sleep. That's www.wellrestedmd.com slash day. Be sure to hit subscribe in your favorite podcast player to get all the latest episodes. Leave a review and head over to wellrestedmd.com for more information. Thanks for listening.